This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time Liverpool correspondent, but home away, James Pease, he's away at the moment. However, I am joined by Sean Bradbury. Hi Sean. Hello Ian. Also by Theo Squires. Hi Theo. Hi Ian. And also by Paul Ghost. Hi Paul. Hello Ian. He was the tallest member of the sports set. You yes. thought I was going to miss that out then, didn't you? you yeah, I, I was I was dreading that for a <laughs> Now this is a slight mini pod. We are reacting to Liverpool's win against Huddersfield, which happened on Friday night. Liverpool won 5-0. Paul, you were sat next to me while watching this game. You were absolutely freezing as I was. <laughs> However, Liverpool's performance and the results warmed just about everybody up inside Anfield. It did. Um, I, I think, you know, everyone would have predicted Liverpool were going to walk away with, from Anfield with the three points on, on Friday night and the only slight question was could Huddersfield somehow dig in and, and take a nil-nil and that was shot to pieces inside the first 15 seconds wasn't it when we looked up and Abby Cater was sticking one away and we'd <laughs> barely said hello in, in the blog um, just about a, a perfect night for Jürgen Klopp um, Mohamed Salah and, and Sadio Mane uh, in the goals as you would expect Naby Keita continued his run Jordan Henderson was good the full backs were typically excellent and Alex Oxley chamberlain got 20 minutes under his belt so all in all um, routine win um, great night for Liverpool and on they go fingers crossed for Burnley against Manchester City The funny thing Sean is that Liverpool just seems to be not even so much in first gear but almost like neutral certainly in the first half they, they somehow found themselves 3-0 up without even really trying that much because there was a spell after I think Jurgen Klopp made mention after the game where he said I actually thought that we scored too early because it just relaxed us completely and Huddersfield thought, well, we've got nothing to lose here. And they, they had a bit of a go at it for, for 20 minutes until Liverpool's second goal went in and that was kind of it, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they did. They kind of forced the issue down, down the left-hand side a bit, got a bit of joy, got a few corners and I, I can kind of understand what Klopp says there because there was no kind of pattern. The play was set. Liverpool obviously hadn't really established themselves in the game and then suddenly they won the up. There was a little bit of an in-road for Huddersfield and they had a little go, but you know, as soon as it went 2-0 up and then the, the, the timing of the third one as well just kind of put it to bed and was always going to make the second half kind of a bit of pretty routine affair. But I think it was great, you know, a 5-0 win, even against very, very limited opposition, um, as that was last night, can never be taken for granted, really. You know, you don't, they don't come around too often. Um, and like Gorsty said, you know, the, the the list of the positives from last night was was, was huge. The, the full-backs were great. Um, Salah, Mane, both both bagging two. It was kind of like everything that's been positive about Liverpool's season was all there, distilled into one game. And and, and like you said, Dudley, they, they didn't really have to get out of second gear whatsoever, which is very useful with, with the big games that are coming up. So, yeah, it was a fantastic night. I mean, Theo, the second half turned into something of a procession where Liverpool were basically just playing, you know, teasing with, them, with Huddersfield to a certain degree. But... As Sean's just said, both Mohamed Salah and, uh, and Sadio Mane managed to get two goals. Very briefly, they were on the level at the top of the Premier League goal-scoring chart. Now, not chart, sorry, now Salah's top on 21, Mane 20. I think it's only the fourth time in Premier League history that the same team has got two players who've scored at least 20 goals, uh, 20 league goals in a Premier League season. It's just, are you surprised by how well Mane's been doing in front of goal and also by the stick perhaps that Salah's been getting and the fact, you know, we've mentioned this in the past, that he got overlooked for uh, even in the nominations for the, the Player of the Year. Um, I don't think I'm really surprised by Mane's form because you look back to, say, Burnley away last year when he scored that wonderful goal at Turf Moor. 
he's just been in incredible form since then and he's really took his game on to that next level. Jurgen Klopp has always said he doesn't know how good he is. Well, I think we can safely say Mane does know how good he is now. And that second half yesterday, it almost became the two of them trying to outscore each other, having that eyes on the golden boot. Uh, Mane wasn't his usual smiley self when he walked off. Obviously, he'll be a bit disgruntled that he didn't get a hat-trick. Um, Salah, every time he got the ball, he was cutting inside looking to get a hat-trick himself. As for Salah, well, he was never going to get another 40 goals this year. I think we've said that all season long. Uh, so there was always going to be that obvious criticism that it's just become normal for him, that you expect this level of ability. So it's not really a surprise, but I think the last time Liverpool, well, that, they were the last club actually to have two players hit 20 goals, Suarez and Sturridge. So that just shows how good Liverpool's front three are. And you can still have Firmino trailing a little behind. It's, it's not a surprise there that they're not quite doing it the same way they did last year. I mean, go Steve, Salah's going to have got 69 goals in 100 appearances. The most any Liverpool player ever, we're talking the likes of Ian Rush, Torres, Suarez, can you go further back to Roger Hunt? Any of those players, none of them scored as many as Salah has done in his first 100. And I think as, as Theo just pointed to there, this is in a team where it's not just him scoring goals. Mm. You know, Manny's scoring the goals, Firmino scoring the goals. There's three of them, they're getting them all. But you know, Salah, is, is there some suggestion that perhaps people are taking him a little bit for granted because he was very good last night yeah I think there is actually um, that strike rate is just incredible isn't it you know 69 goals in 100 games and if you'd have, if you'd have said that before he joined you you know it's just ludicrous numbers aren't they the, the Messi numbers the Ronaldo numbers um, and yeah I, I do kind of think and has gone under the radar somewhere you know it, he got all applauded last year for his 44 goals and, and rightly so and because he's not near the 40 mark this season, it's kind of gone under the radar. But, you know, what, what's he on now? 23, is it? In all competitions, yeah. well, I'm not sure what it is. Actually, Might be 23, 24. Um, it's, it's another incredible season. He's going to get to, to at least 25, isn't he? Could even get near 30 and, and you're looking at another incredible season. And, yeah, I, I do think it is getting underlooked. And for me, he's, um, he was certainly, he might have even been top three players in the world last season and he's still inside that top five for me now because he's just such an incredible player who has a, a massive impact on this Liverpool team who are now you know one of the best teams in the world undoubtedly it's something Sean that Jurgen Klopp said after the game regarding Sadio Mane is that he said that you know just picking up what Theo said then about having the belief is that he's had to tell him Klopp has had to uh, tell Sadio Mane that he's, he's somebody who can always open the doors but he's also somebody who can then actually go through the doors himself terms of you know not just being the creator but also scoring the goals you know he has he probably been Liverpool's best forward this season I think it's kind of worked in in phases and stages this season in December I think Salah was the man who just kind of dragged Liverpool through but then there was that period from January maybe almost up to now where where Mane I think you can definitely make a case for him being the most significant and important uh, of, the, of the front three uh, he seems to just get so many first goals in games and mm. like important goals in, in Europe as well um, so yeah, they're definitely a case for that. But they've all done a job. I mean, obviously, Firmino was missing last night, but I think he's he's really stepped up in recent weeks and probably had one of his best best runs of the season. Um, and I think it's just it's just the hallmark of this Liverpool team when when there was all those games in December. I think they, they won eight out of eight, didn't they? In April, um, now just gone. It's been six out of six, has it? And then ten ten on the bounce in all competitions. Just the, the absolute business time of the season when you've you've got to compete on more than one one fronts. Um, Liverpool have stepped up and yeah they've, well, they've all been key to it but Mane has massively played a part I mean there was no Firmino uh, against Huddersfield Theo which caused a minor meltdown on, on social media before the game I mean Jurgen Klopp has been quite keen to to 
play down any suggestion. The rumours were obviously that he was out for the season. He's he suggesting not, suggesting he could have a chance for Barcelona. And I'm pretty sure we've all got our own opinion on, on whether or not he'd be playing in that one. But Daniel Sturridge came in and it was interesting because it was obvious that there was a player who hadn't started a league game since I think it was the 3-1 win at Burnley back in December. And he wasn't, while he was putting in the efforts, it wasn't quite happening for him, was it? I know he had that goal disallowed for offside. He was marginally offside in the second half. But it was interesting that afterwards we were talking about this, that all of his teammates came out and said, oh, he did a brilliant job stepping in for, for Bobby. Well, okay, he did a job. I don't think anybody would say it would be brilliant. But they were saying that, obviously, because they know there's a very good chance that he might play again in the next couple of weeks. It's basically been the story of his last two, three seasons at Liverpool, hasn't it? He's almost been left behind there. It's not quite happened for him at various times. Um, when he got substituted off, Jordan Henderson was straight over to him because obviously Sturridge head down, he'd be disappointed not to have got his goal, consoling him, saying to keep his chin up. And it shows how good the team spirit is in this camp, that they know how important every single player is. Like each time in the season, players have been written off. Naby has been written off on occasions. Adam Lallana... It's all the way through the squad and these players have come back and they've had their moments. Steve Okarigi, maybe, just maybe, it could be a Daniel Sturridge's moment against Barcelona. Are you going to go along with that? Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a big claim. Um, I personally, I'm hoping that Roberto Firmino recovers from that uh, groin Small tear, as Jürgen Klopp described it. A small tear and a small muscle. Yeah. Which does sound a little bit painful, if you ask me, anyway. Yeah, it does, right. Um, It's a difficult one with Sturridge. He's into the final few weeks of his contract. He's a big earner. He's probably third-choice striker now. Um, I think his days might be numbered at Anfield, and it's just... It'll be a bit of a sad end to, to his Liverpool career if, if his, his last goal is to be that one against uh, Chelsea back in September. It'll be quite a good end, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, not many Liverpool no, players have ended the careers with goal-scoring such a good without goal. scoring from September onwards for the team who um, are challenging right to the, the business end of, of the two biggest competitions. Um, I, I, you know, I, I've thought I've thought so highly of storage for years, and just you know, everyone knows that the amount of injuries he's had and the amount of football he's missed and. It'd be disappointing to see him leave Liverpool, but I think, as Theo says, I think this squad has kind of passed him by at the moment. I mean, Sean, we worked it out. This season, he's actually been available for nearly all of the games. In fact, mm. I think he may have actually been available for all of them. And there's only been three, I think it's three games out of the whole lot of Liverpool play this season where he's not made the bench. So he's always been there and around. So he has obviously played a part, certainly in training and been there and all that, this, that and the other. So, as Theo said, it's a good sign of the, the team bond that they've got there. But, you know, would you, if Firmino is not fit to play against Barcelona? Well, we could obviously discuss this a bit nearer the time, but Sturridge hasn't exactly played himself in, has he? No, and as much as you could maybe make a case for it being a, a passable Firmino impression, like the performance he put in last night, because I think he, he did okay. And, you know, obviously the, the, the two guys either side of him in, in the front three both scored twice and he played the part in, you know, what pressing he could do and, and making room for them. Um, but no, I, I think you'd probably have to look to Origi to start on Wednesday if it does turn out Firmino's not there I just don't think in a, in a game of that magnitude you could you could go with storage given the, the obvious limitations that we did see last night but I, I think he'd, he he did okay there was there was that one moment in the second half where he just he, he just didn't make a decision quick enough and kind of got caught out and I think he always seemed to have players around him he seemed to be one of the, the one Liverpool players where Huddersfield must have fancied themselves that they could take the ball off him just because I think his his speed of thought has gone a little bit and, you know, he's always had quick feet, but they don't seem to kind of be be there anymore. And like like the lads have said, I think just the game that Liverpool try and play has, has kind of passed them by a little bit and the, the team's evolved beyond them. But hopefully, come the end of the season, he will have some 
big contributions to look back on, even if it is just that Chelsea goal. Um, if Liverpool have got something at the end of this season, then he's he's played the part. Mm. Naby Keita's goal after 15 seconds, Theo, that was, I think we've seen it, that it's the second quickest goal in in Liverpool's history, I think Paul Walsh scored against West Ham, I think it was in 1984, uh, after 14 seconds. Certainly Liverpool's quickest goal of the Premier League era. But for Keita, Klopp said, came out after the game and said that that was his best performance that he's had in Liverpool shirt. And that's been a few times recently where he's come out and said that, which is obviously a sign that Keita's progressing. But it wasn't so much for me in the goal and the play that he had going forward. It was... The way that he was like getting back and he was nicking the ball off people's toes, he was doing an awful lot of that. He doesn't tend to do like slide challenges or big, robust challenges because he's obviously quite slight. He doesn't have that physicality, but he's able just to read the game, just you know, get back and nick the ball off people's feet and get tacks going straight away, which is obviously for Jurgen Klopp's team, that's exactly what you want. I mean, there was one example in the second half, I think it was Mounier, was admittedly... He seemed to be running in treacle. I'm not sure what was going on there. He just saw the goal and he was like, I've just forgotten how to run. But somebody had to get back and stop him and it was Keita. I imagine he must be so frustrating to play against because he just he comes on on you from nowhere, doesn't he? Mm. He's so quick to press down and close players and nick the ball and start these attacks. We've all seen um, last season when he was at Leipzig and this season how he can drop a shoulder, get past the player. But now you've seen that defensive side and he does look like a Jurgen Klopp sort of player. You can see why Klopp was so determined to bring him to Anfield and it's quite telling that Liverpool's midfield is probably at its most stable and putting in these consistent performances, now he's finding form. Um, the question is going to the Barcelona game, who on earth plays midfield? Because all of them going right down to James Milner can probably state claims that this is their chance to show what they can do. And Cater with Firmino out, potentially, he could be a big match runner in this one. Somebody else who's not exactly put themselves forward for the Barcelona game, but just happy to be back, and that's Ox- Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, uh, Gorsty. He got a massive reception when mm-hmm. he came on. I think two. About 17. He got two receptions, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, when his name was read out, and then when he actually came onto the pitch. That was really painful to do, yeah. didn't it? Uh, yeah. Moment missed. <laughs> uh, but when he came on, he got a very, very big reception. Um it was great to see him out there, wasn't it? Because it's been, yeah. you forget, you forget, it's been an entire year mm-hmm. since he since he got the injury against Rome. I think it was a year and two days mm-hmm. since, yeah, since yeah. Friday, yeah. yeah. And uh, it was just interesting that when he got the injury, the kind of suggestion, when it became obvious how, how bad it was after the Champions League final, that he was not going to be back until about April. And even though Klopp admits he got a bit excited about it all back in February when the player came back and started training and he played the under-23s game at Derby, mm-hmm. which I went, 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 went and saw. Of course, it was raining and windy then, which we will come back to, <laughs> we'll come back to the weather in a minute. Um, he had a few a little setback there and I think Klopp mm-hmm. suggested there was another one in, in training he, without going into it too much. But he's played now and he near, very nearly got a goal, didn't he? He did. Um, to be honest, I was, I was quite taken aback by how sharp he looked. Um, every touch was cheered by the cop and it really showed how much that the fans have taken to him since he, he joined from Arsenal considering he's missed more football than he's played for the pool that's you know, testament to how well he's done really I think he was in the form of his career before that injury against Roma last year and I think he'll be a massive bonus for Liverpool next season because you know Liverpool won't see the best of him this season but next season with a pre-season under his belt he'll be you know back in the, in the, in the kind of form that he was in before that injury and he did nearly score. It was a. He started the move. He, he kind of wrestled Shakiri out the way and played a little one-two with Salah. Went clean through and then Jonas Lersel had to spoil the day, didn't he, by making the save? Was a rare save for yeah. the field goalkeeper. <laughs> what, yes. a, what a reception that goal would have got if he that took that one away. Um, great to see him back. Not sure how much we'll see of him between now and and the end of well 
May the 12th or June the 1st, the Champions League final. But great to uh, to see him back amongst it. Not sure if uh, Jurgen Klopp said it to you guys post-match in the press, but he was saying on Sky, he was comparing it to Kevin De Bruyne, saying just because he's back and you're seeing this quality there, De Bruyne's broken down a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. So you can't mm. get ahead of yourselves just because he's shown these glimpses. I think back to um, John Flanagan when he came back, we we're all saying how impressive he looked in those moments. But then once adrenaline, it's taken you so far it takes a long time to get back from such an injury, so it's probably perfect timing, isn't it, for Oxlade? I was going to say because the because the end of the season yeah. is coming. Even if he yeah. does get a few games, you'll then just get a a big rest anyway, and, and more then proper pre-season. Yeah, yeah. You mean, could he, even he, go away with England, have he, a bit of a training camp. He's not someone who Liverpool are relying on either, is he? It's not like when um, Liverpool rushed back Daniel Sturridge so many times and, and it was just repeatedly breaking down a few years back. He's just someone who's going to come in and supplement the midfield where there are so many options for Klopp at the moment. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast. I mean, it is a nice story, Sean, isn't it? And another interesting thing, we're seeing uh, Jordan Shakiri on the pitch. He seems <laughs> to be enjoying himself as well. That's got to be the most he's played in, in since, what was it, United in yeah. February? Yeah, the most, because he only came on for a few minutes in a, in a couple. Was it only one game? Or was the one when he actually didn't get on? Was that Porto yeah, that home? Was the, yeah, the Chelsea, was it? Chelsea or Tottenham? It was one of those. Well, it could have been Porto, actually. Now you've Porto said that. or yeah. Spurs. Yeah, essentially. But Shakiri came on, and he, he, he did he cross it for Mane to... It, when he hit the bar, hit the woodwork with his header, there was certainly Possibly. an opportunity there. Yeah, that he, he said that he, he created. He yeah. slipped it through for yeah. the, the fifth goal, and he, yeah. he was there. The assist of the assist. Yeah, um, yeah, it's good to see him. And it has been a bit, a bit of a mystery why he's had so little game time. Although I think last night, the, the, the general way that Liverpool played and how kind of like tuned up they looked, even though as we said earlier on, they were kind of in second gear, but everyone knew exactly what they were doing, what role they had to, to play, and it was almost like. Just some of the movement and like the the, the way that the ball was progressed up the pitch was almost like muscle memory. And I, I kind of think sometimes think back to that one game, that, that Southampton game, much earlier in the season where Shakiri started, didn't he? But only played the forty-five and was was good and was involved. But it was just kind of it seemed like much more chaotic than Klopp would want to allow for. He, and it was like he was playing his game, and then yeah, Liverpool yeah. were also playing their game. Yeah, yeah. V- very much so. And I guess some managers would probably relish that that you've got someone who's, who'll come on and be unpredictable even for yourself maybe but I don't get the impression that Jürgen Klopp's that way inclined and I think that's that's the main reason why we've, we've seen so little of Shakiri. but obviously in that situation it was nice to see him come on and have a little flourish because he's been he's played a big part in this season certainly early on but the point is they brought on Shakiri, Liverpool brought on Oxford Chamberlain they brought in Daniel Sturridge James Milner was on the bench. Joe Gomez came in, came on towards the end. There was no Firmino. Lovren came in at centre back. No matter. Yes, yes. Mm. Suddenly, it's the strength in depth that you know. While the, the big competition with Manchester City, I think a lot of people regard that the fact that the two strongest 11s are more or less the same, which has been played out on the pitch whenever they've met over the past two years. But in terms of the strength, City have got a, a much stronger squad. But Liverpool now that they've got players fit, most of the players fit at the right time of the season. They've suddenly got all these options, haven't they? Yes, yeah, it's, it's most telling in midfield, isn't it? Well, centre back as well. But um, imagine if they'd had all these options settled for the whole season, uh, rather than Fabinho and Naby Keita coming good at the end. I suppose if Liverpool aren't to win the title this year, that's going to breathe uh, so much confidence into the squad going into the new season. And it'll be why Jurgen Klopp's saying they don't need to do that much in the summer. But so many options, and then you can even look down further to the younger players. Like we're expecting Rian Brewster to have more of a say next year. You've got the fans who want to see Harry Wilson given a go in pre-season. Um, Gruwich is coming back from loan. There's so much competition there. 
um, when you've got uh, all this international football in the summer. So I think um, all the African lads going off to the Cup of Nations, Brazilian boys are going off to the Copa America. It's a real chance for some of the lesser players to stake a claim and the Klopp's going to have so much to choose from going into the new season. Let's talk about the fullbacks then, because uh, they've been having a little competition, as everybody knows, between yep. themselves in terms of assists. Uh, Andy Robinson gone himself two uh, last night. Is that 12 or 13? No, I got this wrong, didn't I? I think it's a, is it 11 in the Premier League and 13 overall. Yeah, I think I thought I think it was 13, about, yeah. yeah. I think so. It must be 11 in the it, Premier League. It's 11 League, in the yeah, Premier League. Yeah. And I think there's only three or four other players who've got more in the whole of the Premier League this season and there's certainly no defender in Premier League history has, has got more over the course of a season he's, he's matched now the numbers uh, set by an Everton duo uh, Leighton Baines and Andy yeah. Hinchcliffe yeah. Uh, both left backs must be something about being left back but you know it, 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 Robertson and, and Alex and uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold just a pair of them they just you can see why they're such an integral part of, of the game that, that Klopp wants to play yeah I've seen the tweet this morning actually saying uh, Robertson and Alexander Arnold have now matched um, Manchester United's midfield from I think it was 1997, 98 or, or one of those, you know, with Keane and Beckham and Butt and, and Scholes. So I thought that was quite interesting. Um, but they are just, they're so crucial to our Liverpool attack. Um, a lot of criticism for the midfield in terms of their supposed lack of creativity here and there, particularly when it's certain combinations. Um, but they're in there to to do the dirty work so the likes of Alexander-Arnold and Robertson can flourish and get forward and get into the box and lay on those, those um, talent passes for, for Mino and Mane and Salah. Um, I think Liverpool perhaps fall down when either of those two aren't in the team. I think it's something Jürgen Klopp might have to address in the summer in terms of not so much like for like because they're, they're so important and so good that those kind of full-backs aren't readily available for you know, silly, silly amounts of money, but certainly similar types of players who can get up and down with great stamina, great work rate, and a bit of quality on the ball to, to possess those, you know, final passes that unlock defences. Um, maybe that's something the clock might have to look at. But as a pair, I can't think of, of many who are better than them left and right back. Um, and they've just proven it all season. I mean, it's easy, easy to forget, Sean, that Trent's only 20 mm. and he's played in a World Cup. He's played in a Champions League final. He's been involved in this title run. And Liverpool are now on 91 points, which I think everybody knows is the, you know, no team has got that many points in English top flight history and not won the title. But we're all pretty much aware that there's a probably a good chance that Liverpool won't win the league because unless Manchester City slip up somewhere. But it's that Trent, he doesn't seem to be phased by anything, does he? I mean, Robertson, to a certain degree, is in the same position, but he's had a, a bit more experience. He was involved in a couple of relegation scraps with, mm. with, with Hull. For Trent, this is something new, but it, it looks like he's just completely unbothered by it all. Yeah, they're brilliant. I mean, the pair, and I think, like you say, Robertson's probably played double the amount of league and Premier League and Championship games that, that compared to Trent. He's got, you know, what, what is he, 25 compared mm. to 20? Um, and I guess he has the advantage as well of having Van Dyke next to him all the time. I guess Trent's, Trent's centre-back, if you like, has kind of chopped and changed a bit, although it's been a little bit more uh, settled recently with Matip. But yeah, it's it, 20 years of age. Uh, the scouts are in our team. It's nice to hear the chant going last night. It's just it's just fantastic to have have him there. Um, and yeah, brilliant to see a local lad doing that well. And I, I think he's, he's done well recently as well because there's been a few tests, especially when... 
someone who's pretty pacey. He's, he, he's Cardiff, he had a yeah, bit of a struggle. And, line, yeah, was it? and then the start of the, the, the game against Huddersfield, for the, yeah. as, as, as Ghosty mentioned earlier on in the pod, there was the first 15 minutes, they were getting a bit of joy, weren't they, down that down that wing? It was that side, but but he, he doesn't let it phase him. You know, even within a game, he still got that fantastic assist for, for Salah last night. And, and like he's 20, he's still learning, but the, the, the pace and, and rate of his progression is just, is just phenomenal. So yeah, long may it continue. I think what's uh, taken me most about them this year is if you look at their assists, compare it to the front three, is what surprised me most is Mane's only got one assist in the league. So I suppose that's another sign of how Liverpool have evolved. The front three had been told just to pretty much get the goals and maybe that's why Mane's hit that many more this year. Last year, it would have been a case of Liverpool pressing, teams defending high against them so you can get the front three in behind defences and they can set each other up. Now they're cutting in teams are defending deeper so they're having to get in the box finish the chances off and it's all down to the fullbacks to get the balls into the box and even though um, they haven't got an Andy Carroll type figure up front how many times are we seeing Mane scoring headers now <laughs> well, Liverpool have got yeah. more Premier League headed goals than any other team in the top flight this season 16 and I think Mane's only second to Alexandra Mitrovic and Chris Wood, I think. Now, you would, <laughs> not, you yeah, you would not have said that. <laughs> uh, well, the interesting thing for me is that both goals that Mane scored, he was in the position that you'd have expected Sturridge to be in. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, while we were not, not, you know, not having a go at Sturridge, but wondering about his performance, maybe he was just told to not go into those positions because... You know, Mane will be there to to, to knock the head of him. You look at the first one; he was Mane was basically in the centre forward, wasn't he? When he heads that mm. one, a bit different for the second one, but just one of those things. It's almost as though Sturridge doesn't quite know where he's supposed to be on the pitch, which is hardly surprising, really, is it? When he's hardly <laughs> featured, and I know that they do do train every day, but it's a bit different when you're out there up against top position players who probably aren't going to be doing the things that your teammates that you're you're facing day in day out are going to do. We saw in pre-season he was playing that more deeper withdrawn role and then when Liverpool swapped to the 4-2-3-1 formation it's like oh he's not going to get that chance up front now so he had to be the number 10 and he didn't really enjoy that position. He said himself that he can't get in behind the defences now so he's got to be deeper and that's letting Mane and Salah get in into the box and be the attacking threat but Liverpool aren't giving him the ball to pick them out. He, He can't really be the playmaker in that role so whilst he's there doing that job it's very hard to fit him in which is touching on what we said earlier why his career at the club's probably coming to an end uh, Were you a little bit worried when Virgil van Dijk went down midway through the second half? There was a bit of a murmur went around the crowd yeah. when, he, when, he, when he hit the deck and I think uh, what was it Simon he, Simon Hughes of the Independent he, what did he say he said he, he rose like the Undertaker oh, the like Royal Rumble Undertaker yes Rumble, yeah. <laughs> God, I thought you'd like the re- rest yeah, of the yeah. there. It, it was, it was, he's no Seamus is he? No, <laughs> it seems to happen in, in in slow motion, didn't it? He went down, and then the, the the entire stadium just kind of drew its breath and waited, and then he got back up, and it was like, oh, thank thank the uh, thank the heavens for that one because he's he's so important to Liverpool. He's probably going to pick up the PFA Player of the Year award tomorrow, isn't he? And what a season he's had! I mean, even yesterday when he went put under too much pressure, it was just one or two instances where he just realised. How how much class he, class he's got? Um, there was a backheader from Andy Robertson that kind of put him under a bit of pressure, and he would have been within his rights to just lump it long and, and clear the danger, and kind of brought it down and, and played it wide. And it was just such a smooth transition to a potentially worrying situation. And he just seems to do that so many so many times a game, and he wins so many others. And 
Well, it was moments um, after that that they actually scored the first goal because Van Dyke took the ball forward and then it kind of got yeah, moved yeah. around a bit. Then it went wide to Robertson. He'd obviously composed himself and then put the cross in for, for Manny. Yeah, um, it was great to see him doing his Joel Matip impression, wasn't it? <laughs> Bringing it forward and the, uh, the cop was urging him to shoot from 35 yards, but thankfully he used it a bit more sensibly in the pool about the opening goal. Um, I don't know how much more we can say about Virgil van Dijk. I think he's just undoubtedly, if not the very best, and he's certainly in the top two or three defenders in world football. And the more Liverpool progress and the more success that comes to them, the more he'll have evidence to back that up. I mean, this does remind me, I've said this story before, I actually, in, in a former job, used to actually cover Everton as well as Liverpool, as, you, as you'll all know. And uh, I went to an, an Everton game at Southampton where van Dijk was playing at centre-back. Southampton won 1-0, but van Dijk clearly got so bored... <laughs> That he just wandered up into midfield, and he was just—he was on the edge of Everton's penalty area for most of the game. And I remember saying to somebody, "Is this what he normally says? Yeah, he's just too good for the rest of the team. He just gets bored and just wanders off." And there was a little bit of that, wasn't there, yesterday, where he just went, you know. And it's interesting that Van Dyke goes, takes the ball forward, and everyone's like, you know, encouraging him, cheering him. Joe Gomez, when he was uh, playing earlier this season, tried it a few times, they're encouraging him. Joe Matip, that's now become part of his uh, a trademark. Yeah, when Lovren tries it, everyone's like, for God's sake, will you just get back right now? People are still scarred from those, those failed step-overs on the halfway line against West Ham in 2015. Yeah. Van Dijk, he's just a special case. The, the thing that struck me last night as well was, obviously there's this thing about, is it still no one's dribbled past them this season? Uh, in any competition, but there was, there was, there was I think it's in the Premier League. It was in the Premier League. Somebody sorry. must have got past it at the Champions yeah. League. They're quite, yeah, good. they're quite good in that. Maybe, though. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but they're obviously they had some big lads up front, Huddersfield, but they just seem to stop even bothering to compete with him. That, you know, that's, that's happened so many times. Because yeah. I did the player ratings. The number of times that I've said the opposing team are just trying to take the game away from, just trying to miss him out. And that's why Matip over the last couple of weeks, mm. less less so Lovren yesterday, but Matip over the last couple of weeks has become so prominent because everyone's just targeting him because he's yeah. not same, Van Dijk. Same with Gomez, wasn't it, in yeah, the yeah. early few weeks? Yeah. which There was know. that moment late on yesterday as well when Munier was clearly frustrated and he just ran into Van Dijk and <laughs> <he> bundled <laughs> him over. <sighs> Smells nice though, doesn't he? Perhaps <laughs> <laughs> so well, I don't believe yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, Sean, you were saying? Uh, no, well, yeah, he's dealt with Munier. See, see what he can do with Messi midweek. Not quite, there as not well. quite the same though. I mean, it's interesting that that uh, was it last week. The social media clip was that was knocking around of like yeah. the last time Van Dyke was at the new at Barcelona and he was like doing all these tackles and everything. Celtic got beat six one in that game. It's probably if you're going to highlight a game, probably not that it's one. It's funny we were in the mix on last night and he actually got asked about that Van Dyke and, and he said, he said I've, I've seen the videos, but you can't really say I had a good game based on that video because we lost six one. And, and if you ever get beat six one as a defender, you haven't had a good game. Um, but we will. We'll find out how good he really is, won't we? On, I mean, we all know how, how great he is, but a, a, a big performance on Wednesday night and it really mm. will catch, it won't catch be, the eye it of it won't every be other. About him, though, will it? I mean, no, Jose no, Mourinho, of course, all people, uh, you know, he is. He does know quite a few things about how to set up a defensive team, and he said, "You've got to get a cage around mm. Messi." There's no way. Even Van Dijk said it himself. I can't stop him by myself. It'll just be interesting to see how Liverpool cope with him. Just one final thing, then it will obviously, hopefully praying that it will be warmer in Barcelona <laughs> than it has been at Anfield. If Liverpool do end up winning the league or the Champions League or taking anything from this season, it will be probably shown as well as not just beating the opponents, but beating the conditions as well. Because Anfield, <laughs> since since the turn of the year, has been absolutely <laughs> bloody freezing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, when was the, how often have, have Liverpool played in a game at home? And some, most away games recently where it's either been windy or freezing or raining or monsoon or whatever have you. These are these are the, the enemy of football, as, as you know, wind is especially the enemy of football, says Jurgen Klopp. Liverpool have been overcoming that as well. I know it was the same for Huddersfield, but 
the way Liverpool play, it affects them more than most other teams. Yeah, I think it's fair to say, and obviously Klopp is, is never shy to, to bring it up. Um, but yeah, last night was, was it's not what you expect from the end of April. No, you do not. No. I know it was a night game, but um, but yeah, we uh, hopefully hopefully the Wolves is a, a touch warmer. A retractable roof on Anfield? That'll help. Would you yeah. go without a, a player if you had to pay the money for that? <laughs> if we start put, sending me down to Anfield a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that plead, a plea even, uh, we will end uh, our mini pod. Thanks for joining us. And join us later this week, or possibly the start of next week actually now, where we'll be reporting live from Barcelona ahead of the Champions League semi-final. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.